What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engaged ASU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. All right. Anyway, this is a little weird uh, for me to be up here. Uh, like Jesse said, um, I'm kind of like a, a product, I guess you would say, of this ministry. Uh, when I first came to Engage, I remember sitting like right like here because there was like three tables up here because that was the only people that came. Uh, and I sat at a table, uh, and the table wasn't even full. Um, I was the only one at the table. So uh, it's, it's weird for me. This is like a dream uh, after being gone uh, out of I didn't engage for so long. This is, this is kind of like a dream uh, come true. Uh, when Jesse first came to me and asked, he was like, hey, man, would you, would you like to preach and engage? I was like, that sounds awesome. Like, uh, I would love to. I think it would be an honor. Um, and I, I'd kind of worked with him a little bit on this current uh, ser- sermon series that we're, we're walking through. And I knew what he was going to do. And he said, all right, well, um, how about you preach the week on loneliness? And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Uh, I'm sure they're all going to love me after uh, I stand up here and tell them how lonely they are for, for 30 minutes. Um, but seriously, I, I do think it's going to be a good night. It's going to be a fruitful night, a, a fun night. Uh, and so if you have your Bible and, and following along is your thing, you can go ahead and open up to Psalm 142. If not, then, then don't worry. We'll have the, the words on the screens uh, for you. Uh, so loneliness, I think, is something um, that we all experience, and it's something that I think is hard to cover in a span of 30 minutes because I think it's something that we would all de- define differently, right? For some of us here, uh, we would define loneliness as a, fi- as a physical loneliness, right? So maybe you're like eating at the TMB, right, and you're eating by yourself, and you see a group of your friends walk in, and like you immediately do this thing where you like check your phone, and you're like, oh, I guess they, they forgot to hit the, the send button, um, but you can't take a hint, so you're just like, okay. Um, so that's a physical loneliness. Certainly, if you're like me, uh, and you were dumb enough uh, growing up to, to always have friends who had, had significant others, um, and you decide to go to Six Flags with them, two couples. I don't know if you've ever been to Six Flags. Um, the rides are made for four, and as this... <laughs> and as the spare tire of my friend group, uh, I was always left sitting next to some stranger having this like really awkward interchange like, like you gonna get sick? Like, you good? Yes, maybe, right? So a physical loneliness, for some we would say it's an emotional loneliness, right? I don't have friends in my life who understand what I'm going through, right? I feel like I'm on an island a lot of times, like I'm going through life alone. And for some, it may be a spiritual loneliness, Right, those seasons, those moments in life when you feel like God is nowhere to be found. Right? You feel like he is far off and he is distant. And for a lot of us, these types of loneliness can exist for very short amounts of time or for extended seasons of time. Right? And they can coexist with each other. Right? They can, you can experience more than one. Um, I remember a, a moment specifically in my life when all three of these types of loneliness like tackled me and I felt like I was just all by myself and I was on an island. So I had a friend in college. You ever have those moments where you're like, 
this is going to end poorly. All right? And then your friends look at you and they go, hey, this is going to end poorly. And you're like, I got this. Don't, don't worry, I got this. I had a moment like that. Uh, I had a friend who called me one day. And um, I was in a weird season of life, I guess is the best way to put it. And uh, he said, hey, there's this, um, there's this girl who, who somehow knows you. My friend lived far off, like three or four hours away. Uh, there's, this, there's this girl that goes to, to college here who knows you somehow, and she's interested. Right, she wants to go on a date with you. And I'm like, I mean, okay. Uh, and again, looking back, like all my friends were like, dude, this is a bad idea. This is not going to end well. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, well, who's going to be laughing when I'm walking down the aisle with my future wife, okay? So thank you. And so uh, I get ready and I drive all the way to my friend's house. And I'm getting ready, right? I'm putting on my nicest shirt, uh, my nicest pants. I'm putting on my suede shoes. And I'm getting ready for um, this date, all right? And I show up at her house and I get there. She comes to the door and she's like, where are we going? And I'm like... We're going to the steakhouse. We're going to go somewhere and pay $150 for the nicest food, right, the nicest drinks that you can imagine, right? And in my mind, I'm like, I'm about to flex, like, really hard on this girl. And then tomorrow, when my dad calls me and grounds me for, like, bouncing my bank account, like, she won't know. And so we go, right, we leave her house, and we're driving to this, like, downtown steakhouse, and it happens, something happens, right? On my windshield, I see a raindrop. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's not good. Um, but again, I'm, I'm all, I've always been a, a glasses is half full kind of guy, so I'm like, that, that's no problem. A little rain, all good. Well, God's like, you know, you remember that story about Noah in the, in the Bible? He's like, watch this, that was nothing, right? <laughs> and so like me and her, like, finish paddling our way to the steakhouse and we get there and I mean it has come like 15 inches in like a matter of 15 seconds and it is flooded everywhere and so again positive guy I'm like well now I have an excuse right we're getting under this umbrella together okay and so we're walking to the steakhouse night's going meh and then something happens that will completely ruin the night, and the relationship, <laughs> or lack thereof, forever, all right? And I feel like I need to say this as a disclaimer before we all uh, laugh at this story. Uh, the person in which I'm about to reference is alive, <laughs> all right? <laughs> She's okay. And I know what you're thinking, like, man, Jesse just like, did he just ask an attempted murderer to preach and engage? No, all right? So we're walking to this steakhouse, and I hear this noise. There's this group of, of younger high school students across the street, and I hear this noise that I always hear, and every time I hear it, I, I get scared. It's, a, it's the sound of car brakes just locking up, right? And you hear, Err! and then I look to my right, and I see this young girl being catapulted through the air because she's just been hit by a car. Now, mood killer, first of all. So I'm like, thanks. And so again, positive guy, I'm like, I'm about to show this girl 
protector, right? <laughs> Here we go. And so I, I start running in my suede shoes. So who's the real loser here? Me. So I take off running, right? I'm going. And it's like this thing with every step. It's like, um, I'm weighing over my head. What am I doing? What am I doing? And then I get there and I see that this young girl is completely mangled, like completely. And I don't handle that stuff well, like at all, at all. And so I see her laying there and I see that both of her legs are broken. And I know they're broken because I can see them, like the inside. Um, And so I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, in this moment, what is the best possible thing for me to do? And in my mind, I have this plan, but in reality, I just get sick in the middle of the road. In the middle of the road, right? And so now I've, I've completely ruined this night, right? And so now it's pouring. This poor girl's been hit by a car. I've thrown up in the middle of the road on a first date with a girl, And so we spend the next hour, hour and a half filling out police reports, watching news anchors pull up and and interview people, not me. (laughs) And the night's ruined, right? But I'm still on this date with this person, right? We still have to acknowledge what just happened. And so we get done, again, completely soaked, no chance we're going to a steakhouse. And she's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess anything is better than this. And so we end up at Chuck E. Cheese (laughs) playing skee-ball. And then a few years later, married the friend that set me up with her in the first place. So, but have you ever had those moments, right, where I'm standing there and I'm like, I am alone. There is no one here that is going to help me, right? Some of the most lonely times in my life has been when I was taking a test in college and then I'm like the last person in the classroom and it's like, oh my gosh. Um, You've had those moments, right? We've all had those moments. And so loneliness, like I said, is a hard thing to cover in a span of 30 minutes because we experience in so many different ways. And it's something that we all experience. And to prove my point, I'm gonna ask something audacious of you, I'm going to ask something crazy of you, and I'm going to ask you to participate in something with me. And so if the answer to this question that I'm about to ask is yes, I want you to raise your hand. If within the last eight months you have experienced emotions that you would quantify as loneliness, raise your hand. Yeah. Myself included, right? We've been told for good reasons to stay home by ourselves, to stay distant from our friends, right? We can't even look at people in the face. And so now more than ever in 2020, our generation is more alone than any generation before, okay? And so um, we have to learn how to fight against this loneliness, right? We have to learn what it is, how to fight it, because we know that God did not design us to go through life by ourselves, Right? Obviously, God doesn't want us alone for the rest of our lives. And so how do we fight against loneliness? Well, to fight against loneliness, I think we have to understand what loneliness is. First Peter 2, we talked about it a few weeks ago. First Peter is writing to the early church here, and he says, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. 
And so Peter is, is writing to a group of believers and he calls them exiles. Okay, and that's an important word that we need to remember for the remainder of our night. And I believe as, as human beings, we have been designed and we have been wired for a place that is not this place, right? We've been designed and wired for a place that we will call home for eternity. Okay, and so we're exiles here. We're aliens, we're foreigners, we're strangers, right? And there are many people in scripture that experience this idea of loneliness, all right? And tonight we're gonna look at the story of a man named David. And I believe none more than David in, in all of the, the scriptures experienced loneliness. And, in, and so I'm not gonna explain the whole story of David, right? You all know the story. He killed a big guy. Um, somebody tried to kill him. And so we, we got this whole thing, but I do feel like there are some important things that we need to, to learn here along the way. So if you'll just listen, and then we're gonna open up to, to 1 Samuel 22 and then hop to Psalm 142. And so after what appeared to be defeating the, the enemies of Israel, right? David kills Goliath. What happens is, is David becomes this vastly, vastly popular person in his country, okay? They were writing songs about him, right? They were asking David for his autograph, right? They're getting his face, like, tattooed on their back. The whole nine, right? David, like, the, the kingdom of Israel has some David fever, right? They have some, some David fever, um, and there's a guy named Saul who is the king, right? And, and fun fact, um, Saul actually had this fever as well, right? Saul loved David in the beginning, uh, so much so that, that Saul made David the commander of his armies, right? And then more than that said, hey, I love you so much, I'm going to offer you my daughter as your bride, okay? And so now we have David who is actually the son-in-law of King Saul, and so in, in 1 Samuel 18, it says this, every time the commanders of the Philistines attacked, David was more successful against them, right? Philistines are, are, are Israel's enemies. Every time they attacked, David was more successful against them than all the rest of Saul's officers. And so David's name became very famous, and here it is. And now Saul urged his servants and his son Jonathan to kill David. And so, so what happens is David becomes popular, Right, And this jealousy begins to build and build and build. And now Saul's like, this dude's a problem. Well, you got to kill him because everyone loves him so much. And so David dips. Right? He's like, I'm not cool with the whole murder plan. Um, so I'm leaving. And he leaves and he goes on the run. Right? And you want to talk about being isolated. You want to talk about being alone. You go from the most popular person in the entire country to now you're the most wanted fugitive in the world. Right? His family has literally turned their back on him. Right? His countrymen have turned their back on him and are trying to kill him. And the king himself has turned his back on him. And in Psalm 13, David writes this in, this, in the midst of this loneliness, just to kind of give you an idea of what David's thinking. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony is in my mind every day. How long will the enemy dominate me? And so why does David feel this way? Why does David feel this way? It's because he's been deplaced, right? He's not home. He's on the run. He doesn't know when he's going to sleep. He doesn't know when he's going to eat. Someone's trying to kill him. 
I think that, that adds to it. But most importantly, I think David feels like he's been abandoned by God. David is experiencing a spiritual abandonment, which brings us to our, our problem right here today, that our loneliness is linked to our exile. Our loneliness is linked to our exile, right? And that is a reality that we will never escape because we are simply not home yet. And sometimes I think what we call this idea of loneliness, I think God's word actually would say it's an unhindered or a longing for an unhindered intimacy with God and with others. We would call loneliness this longing for unhindered intimacy with him and with others. And we desire this unhindered, this unbothered relationship with God and with other people. And the fact of the matter is that that can't happen here because of sin. And so what happens is we begin running this toxic cycle in our life where we say, oh, I just need more friends, right? And then we get more friends, and then we still feel that way. And then we go, oh, I need better friends. Those guys were terrible. And, and we, we look for more considerate friends. But at the end of all of that, we still feel alone at times. And the reality is, is there will be days, even if you were the most popular person just like David, and you have the most adoration and the most fans just like David, where we would have Psalm 13 days where we look at God and say, how long? How long is this going to go on? And that's because we're living in a place where because of sin, our relationship with God and with others is broken. And we want these unbroken relationships but the reality is it's only going to come when we reach heaven. And so we have the problem, right? We, we will always face the type of suffering that comes from being in exile. We always are going to face feeling alone and isolated at times because we haven't gotten to the part where we can experience those unhindered relationships, where our relationships aren't broken. And what happens is this constant cycle of disappointment, like I said, and at the end of the day, there will still be times when we lay down and we say, I just feel alone. I feel like there's no one in life that understands. I feel like I'm on an island and that I'm going through life by myself. And so I hope you're encouraged. Y'all are sitting there like, I'm sure, like this dude's the worst, right? He's terrible. But listen, there's good news because our story doesn't end here and neither does David's story. So David has bounced, right? He's gone. Saul has went on this crazy power trip and he's like, I got to kill this guy because he's a threat to my power. And, and so we have here in 1 Samuel 22 verse 1, it says, So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And so now we have an image, right? David has left, and David is now sitting in a cave alone, right, down by the river. And if you got that reference, then see me after this, and let's be friends. All right, a man who was so entirely popular at one time that he was literally having songs written about him. People were praising him, and now he's by himself in a cave. Right, his back's against the wall, and he's been dwindled down to nothing. 
And it's here, right here, right in this moment that David puts down to paper for us Psalm 142. And what's incredible here is that we see this journal entry, if you will, of David's heart after all of this. And I I just want to read it for us tonight, and then we'll take some things away from it, and then I'll be done. It says this, Psalm 142 says, I cry aloud to the Lord, and I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my troubles to him. And although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel, and they have hidden a trap for me. I look to the right, and I see no one stands up for me. There is no refuge for me. No one cares about me. But I cry to you, Lord, and I say that you are my shelter. You are my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with them. It's incredible. It's just incredible. And what's incredible about it is for a few reasons. If it were me writing this psalm, and let's be honest, if it were a lot of you writing this psalm, this would not be our attitude towards God, right? For him to sit here and praise God in this moment is absurd to us. It's incredible because if it were me, I'd be like, God, what in the world are you doing? I am by myself. Do you know what you're doing right now? But David is saying, God, I believe you and I believe you have this and I'm trusting you in that. And so the reaction to turn to praise when we are alone is this unbelievable sentiment and is something that we can learn from, right? But two, I think we learn a most important lesson here. And that's this, just because you feel lonely, it doesn't mean that you are alone. Just because you feel lonely, it doesn't mean that you are alone. Here we learn the most valuable lesson that even in these seasons and these moments of loneliness, God has not left us and God's word tells us that he will not leave us. And so when we feel like there are are no friends in our lives who understand the struggle that we are going through, God understands. And when we feel the overbearing pressure in our life to find someone to spend the rest of our life with, because all of our friends have, and because this aunt at Thanksgiving dinner keeps asking us about it, right? We can know that God has not left us even in those seasons. And when we come into church or a small group, and we feel like we are the only ones who are going through this, and that there isn't anybody who could possibly understand the struggle of isolation, you can know that God has you. And so a lot of us tonight, just based on the season of life that we're in, feel alone. And most of us come to places like this and come to church thinking that people come to church for holy reasons, right? They come to church and they serve Jesus and they love Jesus and they read their Bible and they witness and they're coming here to say, God, look at my six days. 
And we're thinking that we are the only ones in the room that don't experience the type of community that we long for. And we get upset because we feel like everybody at church has it figured out except us. Can I tell you something? If you were lonely tonight, you're at the right place. If you feel isolated tonight, then you are at the right place because I believe that God desires deeper fellowship with you and for you to have deeper fellowship with others than you even desire for yourself. So if you're here because you're lonely, then don't think that that's a bad thing. Right? Don't be ashamed or embarrassed of that because you're at the right place. And so we have to ask the question, is there hope? Right, Derek, you've done a really bang-up job of telling us that we're going to be alone for the rest of our time here. Is there hope? Or am I always going to feel like a stranger? Well, I'm glad you asked. Better yet, let's, let's look to Scripture. Let's finish out David's time alone together. 1 Samuel 22, verse 2 says, Soon his, meaning David's brothers and all of his other relatives, joined him there. And don't miss this. And then others began coming. Men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just disconnected. And until David was the captain of about 400 men. Can't you see it? I can see it so vividly. David's been alone in a cave by himself for some time. And he hears right the rustling of leaves outside of this cave. And his first reaction is, someone's found me and they're here to kill me. And then he sees his brothers walk in. And then he sees his dad and his cousins and his friends walk in. I can only imagine the joy and the hope that must have fallen over David. It must have been incredible. And so you ask me, how does this get better? Listen, there is a person who invites all of the people who are in trouble, who are in debt, or who feel disconnected into the family, and his name is Jesus. And this pain that we feel in this world, I believe, is a spiritual pain. It's not the absence of people. It's the separation from our Savior, from the one who loves us with that unhindered intimacy, that unbroken relationship. And so take this with you uh, tonight for those moments of loneliness and those moments of isolation that you have in the future. That loneliness is a lesson to you and to me that there is something greater coming. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis, and I'm almost done. C.S. Lewis writes in The Problem with Pain, and let this, let this preach. He says, the Christian doctrine of suffering explains, I believe, a very curious fact about the world that we live in. The settled happiness and security which we all desire, God has withheld from us by the very nature of this world. But joy and pleasure and merriment he has broadcast to us. We are never safe here, but we have plenty of fun and some ecstasy. And it's hard to see why the security that we crave would teach us to rest our hearts in this world and opposite of an obstacle to our return to God. Listen, a few moments of happy love, a landscape, a symphony, a merry meeting with our friends, a bath, a football game, have no such tendency. Don't miss. Our Father refreshes us on our journey with some pleasant ends. But he will not encourage 
us to mistake them for home. So tonight, if you are lonely, know that you are lonely because this is not your home. This is your cave. This is not your home. This is the cave in which you find yourself. Tomorrow, if you're feeling isolated, know that there is a person who invites those feeling in trouble, those feeling in debt, those feeling disconnected in. But most importantly, in these times when we feel like there is simply no one who cares about our well-being, do not be ashamed of that. Do not be embarrassed of that because, listen, brother, sister, you are not alone in your loneliness. God is with you. And we know this because of the cross. We know that God is with us because he has proven that to us. And so before the band comes up, listen, this is my prayer for you during this next few moments of worship, during this next time of worship, say this. If, if you're lonely, have you ever thought about coming and offering that to God as a gift in worship? Try saying, I've tried everything to fix it, and I can't. I've tried filling it with the world, and I can't. I've tried filling it with people. I've tried seeking you, and yet I still feel this way. And so I'm offering it to you. Take this thing that is so ugly in my life and transform it into something beautiful. Listen, if you will make that your prayer, he will take your loneliness, and he will turn it from this thing that we feel embarrassed about, this thing that we feel ashamed about, and he will transform it into this great reminder that there is something greater coming for us, and that is heaven. It's coming to us, and so don't be embarrassed of your loneliness tonight. Let it be a lesson that there is something greater out there coming for you, and it's heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. God, I thank you that loneliness can be a reminder to us that this is not our home. God, that it can be a lesson for us to learn that there is something greater than we can ever think or imagine that it's making its way to us. And so this is my prayer tonight and this is my prayer for everyone here tonight that we would offer our loneliness to God and say, God, take this, what we conceive negative emotion and transform it into something that I can find hope in. And I promise you tonight, if you will make that your prayer, he will transform that into a lesson for you. He will renew that into a lesson and a reminder for you. Father, we love you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you have proven God, that you will not leave us. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.